Welcome to Venn Presents, exploring the depths and riches of the Christian faith. This episode is the next in our conversations with women and men who are passionate about following Christ in the whole of life. We go behind the moments of success and endeavour to talk with remarkable people about their ordinary life with God, at work, rest and play. As you listen, we hope you'll be able to imagine how the gospel might look in the communities and callings you find yourself in today. Now, over to host Sam Bloor. Hello and welcome to the program. My name's Sam Bloor and joining me for this episode is my good friend Mark Compton. Mark, nice to have you with us. Nice to be here, Sam. <laughs> now, Mark, trying to actually describe or put a job title to some of what you've done is is a little bit difficult, but this is what I'm going to you know, attempt to do now. I've thought of what you do primarily as being a, a sort of a visual artist. You're a builder as well. You're a qualified builder and we'll get to that down the track. But I know you know, what we're going to be talking to you most about today is the, the work you've done, the journey you've had into art, out of it, back into it again, which is currently taking place. Is that a fair sort of description, too broad, too narrow? How would you describe that? Um, I think that's probably probably close enough to trying to describe it. Yeah, It's a difficult thing to do. And I, um, yeah, I'd often describe myself as a maker or a, a problem solver. Okay, I, I, yeah. I start things and then just keep fixing them until they look all right. Okay, so, yeah, and you do that with your art as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's with my art as well. That's with, yeah. Well, maybe not building, maybe that's a bit more. We'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's probably how I'd describe that a bit more. But Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, one of the themes that we'll draw out is that in both of those areas, you're, you're taking the physical world and you're making something of them. So I really like that. Mm. Um, you had mentioned that that maker term before um, the problem solver one is interesting and I guess in a while I'm going to ask you to speak to a little bit of the process of doing artwork but that idea of actually sort of um, tweaking something until it looks the way you want it to look and almost drawing it out I, I quite like that um, but your other things as well you're a your husband and a dad married to Naomi yes yeah right. um, what does she what does she do uh, she's just started uh, a new role at um, uh, Northgate Church up in Silverdale. Okay. Uh, so she's come on as an associate pastor there. Um, we we both um, run a coffee caravan called Fred. Oh, great. Uh, so we, we sling coffees for the rest of the week. Um, but yeah, we have two lovely little kids, Adley and Jack, six and four. Okay. And um, yeah, we're currently living up in Oriwa and... Um, Living the living the beach lifestyle. Living, living the beach dream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, you're in a busy time of life too. Hey, that's a, um, and again, it's. But down the track, we'll, we'll get to that too. What what um some what that's meant for you in the last mm. couple of years. Um, yep. the the season that you've been in with that. If we could bus back, back the bus up though, maybe to when when you were six and four, Ooh. because I think um I ago, got Sam. to catch up with you a couple of weeks ago and have a beer and talk about you know were you were you always artistic? Could people see in your kindergarten drawings this guy's going to be an, an artist one day? <laughs> and I was a bit disappointed to hear you say, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't wasn't really the case. I don't think. Um, I think I, I remember sitting at home with, and looking out the window and drawing cars on the road. Okay. Um, and it was it was a process and it was lots of erasing and redoing. Um, I think I I would some people would say I had persistence with it, um, but not necessarily. Yeah, it's not like oh my gosh, it's the next Picasso. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I wouldn't have been described in that way, but I think there was a pers- a persistence and a um, an enjoyment. And something that it brought to me that I kept going back to it. Yeah. Um, so maybe not the most natural talent, but a persistent, ongoing. I'm going to make myself an artist. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and an enjoyment of it. Like, was there a love yeah. of it? Yeah, yeah. I well? think there's there was something innate in it that kind of just brought joy. I think, and um, there's like not not that it's therapy, but it's therapeutic. I really like that description of yes. it okay, being cool. therapeutic. What did your parents do? Were they in, involved in quote unquote the arts. Uh, Mum was an accountant. She was an accountant for Robert Muldoon at one time. Actually. You can do creative accounting, but I think you <laughs> actually do time for that, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Look at Muldoon, see what happened with him. <laughs> I don't know. He um, and Dad, he he 
sold and worked for a, a printing firm. Okay. So granddad yeah. had come across from Ireland and he was a printer and then dad became got into the printing world. Okay. And um, then was, that was his world. But mum was a uh, a craft person. Yeah, great. But, but not overly, um, yeah, it was more making homeware kind of things that she was kind of into. Yeah, awesome. Um, but did, dad, did that you know, sort of fund your imagination for it? necessarily watching them do things like that or that was independent of no I think it was a bit independent yeah Yeah, I think I would have looking back I probably appreciate those skills that were there and what what was made was actually pretty impressive Uh, at the time yeah it didn't it didn't really come into my radar probably like a self-absorbed little boy hearing you describe it in that way I'm not sure whether that's going to come as a reassurance to parents out there or maybe a bit of a disappointment that they're the kindy artworks that are coming home are neither pointing towards a <laughs> future in the arts or or not. That could be a reassurance if the uh, the artwork isn't isn't looking that great. But it was high school where you really started to to push into it. Talk us through your journey, sort of out of high school into it was screen printing you ended up doing. Had screen printing been what your dad was doing? Was he, was he doing the actual printing of books and other? sort of materials what was the sort of was there a connection there uh yeah dad dad was very much he printed books uh in his younger years and then went on to run a a firm which was buying and selling machines so he was a a business kind of model yeah um around that world um going through high school uh, definitely that passion was still there the the drive to lean into it um potentially the focus wasn't there but that's a that's part of my personality i guess um, so I was definitely leaning into it more and then was got to the stage of school was finishing, trying to figure out what was next, just took a year course in screen printing, Okay. came out of that into a company which just came to find someone to come and take, do an apprenticeship into a screen printing firm. Um, and so I joined a company which just happened, which I didn't know at the time, to do... Uh, was printing for the dealer galleries of New Zealand and some internationally. Right. Um, the boss had teamed up with Stanley Palmer back in the day and they've started doing works and then the likes of all the, the Frizzells and the Michael Smithers and Billy Apples had come on board. So we were printing for those guys. And so I did my apprenticeship through to there and ended up running that factory and working with the artists creating wow. limited edition runs. Wow. Um, and that was kind of where there was this spark of like, ah, like this is a world that I could see myself in. And so I was more inclined to lean lean into it then even, more so than school probably. So did you end up having a bit of input into what happened there? I, I guess you probably wouldn't want to use the term collaboration in terms of how much input, but have some say you, you're working pretty closely with them to try and work on the, the finished product? Yeah, I think in that, in that space you're facilitating I guess you're you're helping them to bring their vision and their artwork and to translate it or synthesize it through the screens and onto the paper. Um, so there's there's a conversation about how we get what's in their head or on their paper to through the process and for it to be true to what they want it to be. Um, but it's not necessarily a super speedy process. So there's a there's a lot there's layers of color and ink and so you're constantly you're checking in and touching base for sure but yeah. they're, always, they're always pretty present during that time when you're doing the works yeah so i guess you've had a bit of an insight into just the new zealand art scene and, and you're mentioning some international aspect of that as well what was that like just as a as an observer and and participant in it what what what's your sort of memories of of that time um, yeah, it was it was a it was a good time. I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed that time in my life. Um, I think there's something about the that often when you have whether you you call it a celebrity status or whatever it is, there's there's people who are held in esteem, and rightly so for some of the the great works they've made and the the things that they've contributed to the society. Um, but there's also once you not, you sit around and have a pie and some hot chips and <laughs> and a, a drink with them, it's yeah. kind of like, oh, there's other people outworking their skills and their giftings. Yeah. Um, and there's a realness to it. I remember, I think it might have been Dick who said, um, well, somebody was just talking about their process of like, I get up at nine and I be creative. 
Yes. So okay. the, like there was this aspect of work. I guess I guess the other side is that when people think about an artist or a painter, it's like we go down sit by a river, sip our, <laughs> sip our espresso and put our beret on and start painting. Um, whereas there is this aspect of um, production to it. Yes. Which yeah could start a whole conversation about what is art and production versus inspiration and um, yeah some of the classics versus a Andy Warhol or a um, Duchamp. Yeah, sure. A, yeah, yes, you, yes. There's a whole lot of conversations you could go into there, but yeah, we we we'll, we'll actually come to some of that. Like, yeah, okay. what, what does define some of the things that I know are important to you? Where you talked about not being a huge fan of say just sort of conceptual art, where it's just an idea, perhaps as opposed to actually. Mm producing something that yeah has got an element of beauty to it and again some of those definitions we might want to sort of um discuss too we'll come to that so sitting in that sort of a, a space in that world what did that sort of kickstart in you sitting in that in that screen printing business um what was the next stage in, in your journey towards creating your own stuff and actually moving out and, and doing art yourself yeah I, th- I think some of it was uh life stage and I'd been in this role for probably 12 or 13 years, I think, um, with a short break in the middle. But I had got to that point of, I'd kind of always talked about, let's produce some work. Yes. Like, let's go and do something and try and sell it. And um, had never got around to doing doing that. And had kind of thought, got to the point of, if I don't do it, would I regret not having given it a nudge? Yes. And so that, <laughs> it doesn't sound very inspired at all, but it's kind of like, I think I, I, think I would. And um, quite actually just sitting here right now, I'm like, oh, yeah, as I'm going back into it again, I'm like, I would still regret not giving it another nudge now because some stuff's shaped in how I would want to do that process. Um, so it was it was very much a... I've been, I'd been in a role for a long time. I had lots of connections through that. I thought, let's... Um, I talked to gnomes about it, and we said, yes, give it a, give it a nudge. Um, try and sign up with some galleries and do some prints and some paintings and and see how we go from there. Yeah. So you were married by this stage. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was. And had you done? Because at some point you did. Did you do a couple of years study? In, yeah. In yep. Yeah. yeah. Back in ooh, when was that? Two thousand and six ish. It was at Whitecliff College of Art and Art and Design and did two years of a degree there. Okay. Um, and then had finished up at the end of that and moved back to. Um, art right where I was getting the prints where I was doing the printing okay yeah yeah and did that did you produce some of your own stuff obviously you would for for classes and things had you tried to commercialize any of that at that that point like through the Whitecliffe years or was that really just for the for the study side of it no I think I think it was more of a formational sort of space to go into yeah Um, I kind of wanted a I was probably looking for a more classical sort of training, I think. Okay. I think in terms of conceptualizing ideas and um, ideating around what I wanted to create, I, was, I felt comfortable in that. But um, in terms of the skill set of, yeah, um, of drawing and just the actual teach me how to paint or teach me how to draw, yes. so, as, as the classics would, is kind of what I wanted, but it wasn't what Whitecliffe I think all art schools at that time were, that's not what they were offering. Okay. It was very much conceptual art and, um, yeah, which offers a whole lot of interesting questions, but just wasn't really a good fit for me. So got through two years of that and thought it was time to, to move on maybe. What we're going to be doing in the next section of this will be talking about some pieces that you've done and so if you're listening and you actually want to see some of what Mark has done um, you can click on the links if you've accessed this via either the email or uh, the show notes at the Venn website or just go to the website and um, and, and search for Mark Compton and Common Ground where you did a few pieces for us mm. at Common Ground but one of the pieces I want to sort of point people to is the bird that you did actually on uh, on one of the bars because that was a real theme of some of that. You did a lot of that work back in during that time, alongside yep. a whole lot of other stuff as yep. well. But that will give you an idea of um, some of almost the photorealism that 
that's my word, not yours. That's probably the wrong <laughs> word to use, but that's, they're, they're incredible, Mark, in terms of mm. the, the detail there, how well you've just captured um, what a you know, what a bird actually looks like. <laughs> and I know you went back and did one of those pieces almost to get back in the groove as you've had mm. this re-entering time. But tell me about, about that, because I know you've got mixed feelings about the quote-unquote bird phase. <laughs> the bird phase. Oh, yeah. Birds make money. Um, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which which there is a real reality to that as well. As a as an artist, if you want to do that as a vocation, then the ideal outcome of that is some income. Yes. Um, but it, that, that process, I went into it uh, wanting to create the work that was kind of like a true, um, I guess, that it was flowing from me, mm. um, but definitely got to a point where I was creating for the income more so than um, a true expression of probably what I wanted to create, I think. Um, but I think I was okay with that at the time. It was, it was still fine. And I think I had a period of time when I, I, I looked back on that and I thought I was just creating for money and I was thought I, I felt like a, a sellout, I guess. So I, was like, I wasn't being true to myself or something like that. But, um, I, but now, after a little bit of time has passed, I kind of look back and I, I think I really actually appreciate the work that I did do. Yes. Um, and the reasons that I did do it. Yes. And so I think I was just being a little bit too kind of, uh, yeah, maybe I was just a tortured artist who was trying to complain <laughs> about something as we all do. <laughs> well, is there a feeling when you do create art that almost as soon as it becomes popular and people want it, you're a sellout almost by definition? You know, is, is, is there a little bit of that to it? Yeah, a little bit. And I think for me, especially, as soon as you've created something and it's been created and finished for all of two to four weeks, then you've you've moved on a little bit. Right. And and you're almost like, oh, well, it's not really that great anymore. So it's <laughs> okay. like you yeah. kind of, my, my, my mind is almost on the next way that I want to create. So you kind of like, but there are, there are pieces I look back and they, they always hold a place of um, quality to them. Yes. But um, there's definitely some times when it's like, ah, oh, that's done and that should be finished and not done again. <laughs> We're going to um, come back to this kind of making, you, you being a maker um, theme, because I know that ties into the building, as does the need to actually um, earn, earn income from it <laughs> um, as well. And, you know, the, the sort of names you're mentioning, the, the Frizzells, the uh, Apples, the <laughs> um, Smithers, uh, you know, they're making money from it. But it's a very real question for anyone going into the arts, whether it's visual arts, whether it's music, whether it's, um, you know, doing some writing, um, sort of monetizing it. And, you know, we here we are, you and I both live in Auckland. There are some realities <laughs> around life here um, that make it, yeah, make, make that tough. What's that journey looked like for you? And have you had chats with other artists about it? Yeah, for me, when we were, when I was initially doing that, so I, I worked as an artist, as a full-time kind of uh, focus for about three years, three to four years, I think. Okay. Um, and that came out of a, a long time of having worked and saved. And so there was an element where I had almost put aside some of that, or I'd kind of thought that would be, I could take the step and if it didn't work out, then so be it. Um, but it went it went okay. I think I think the tension is always there, and especially in this climate that it is currently, where things are everything's going, all the prices are going up, and things are tighter. And I think there will always be tension there around the ability to make money from it, and then is it, will it be the first thing that goes off the cards for people to buy when things get tight? Right. And yes. Yeah. So we run a coffee shop and sell art. So we'll make no money when things get tighter. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so is, I think the tension's always there, and I think it's felt by most other than the ones who are in that top sort of group. Yeah, it's interesting, eh? I mean, the people who argue you can't do without coffee and uh, people who argue you can't do without art either, and I do wonder whether that's one of the things that maybe, I don't know whether it's a New Zealand impulse, we're quite a pragmatic people, um, certainly within church life, um, I can remember sort of growing up, I, d I didn't hear anything about the arts in church life. You know, they're sort of su superfluous mm. rather than necessary. So I'd love to see that <laughs> something that the church picks up again. 
have you seen have you seen that done well? Have you seen things done well within say Christian settings or church settings? Have you yourself been given the freedom to do some stuff in either church life or Christian settings? Um, yeah, we've had a few um a few places or in times along the way where I think I've seen the, the glimpses of those. Our church on the shore that I was part of for many years, we um, we ran like an Easter art exhibition that we'd do each year, um, which is kind of a Stations of the Cross and just a space where there's a big focus on, yeah, that kind of immersive experience of walking through the story of Easter and having that through just visual cues and sculptural cues. And I remember. Was that um, in and around Birkenhead yeah. somewhere? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can remember going a couple of oh, years to that. Was it right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, why did you guys stop doing that? Are they still doing it? Is that still on? Um, no, I don't think they've done it for a few years now. Okay. Yeah. yeah. There, there used to be two big seasons in that church, which was uh, the Easter Art Exhibition and Christmas Wonderland. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and that, and that was, uh, I never made the Christmas Wonderland, but yeah. I did make that. And I can remember walking through, and part of me was thinking, I haven't seen anything like this before, which is partly a bit of a shame, actually. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, I think there's little glimpses of it around, and um, we, I think I've, I've, it's just... When you do see it and see it done with intention, um, I think I'd often talk about that art as holding intentionality. When you try to describe what is art, like what can you what can you name as art? Like, d- does it hold intentionality? Um, is there an intentional practice to kind of draw something out of someone? But those kind of times, um, when you see it done, there's just something that. Um, feels more whole about the picture I, I guess yeah, um, yeah but I think it is missing I don't I don't know you'll probably know better than I but was it the reformation when the icons were taken out and sure yeah there was part of that for yeah. um, certainly the, the, the church h- historically there's there's been a, a weariness of it do we want to go on to that <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I think there's something about creating beautiful moments that helps us to maybe immerse ourselves in something beyond ourselves to then shape our, shape our being towards yeah. a more whole a whole sort of approach here. Yeah. Are there ways you think that the church can support its artists better? Like have you have you thought about <laughs> that before? I buy buy our stuff. <laughs> you know, and I don't mean that yeah, that sounds yeah. sounds crude, but actually support artists that you know. Yes. I'll just should I say my bank account number now? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Yeah. MarkComden.com. Mark, Mark <laughs> Actually, can people see any of your other stuff? Have you got a uh, website or? I've, so it's been, how long it's been since I was doing that? Like 14 years. Okay. So website's yeah. gone. There's a Facebook page that I need to either delete or it's just old right, stuff. So okay, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll be looking at renewing some of that stuff soon. But, yeah, okay. Um, there's actually a guy, I forget his name now, it was on a podcast, but he was from in an American context and he was... Um, lamenting the fact of the American church kind of partnering with politics to try and shape culture. Right. And he was making an argument, and I can't remember the numbers, but I think it was like one in a hundred. So maybe he was saying if every church gave one dollar of every hundred dollar tithed, there'd be like a $26 billion budget. Right. And I think the current budget in the US was $24 million for artists or something. Okay. So, so he was make, he was making the argument like if if we were to partner with artists to um, to shape culture yes. and to, to create create a fund so they could be well formed and then be patronised to do their craft. Yes. Um, yes. What? How could we shape culture towards hope and peace and joy in the ways of Christ? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think that might be a guy called. Gregory Wolf, it may be. Okay. I think he wrote a book called Beauty Will Save the World. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I think he argues that at the beginning of that book. Yeah, right. Yeah, I actually had to do 
um, I had some overdue units to do for some study I've been doing at Fuller and they were like hurry up and do these otherwise these are going to expire and you're going to be basically <laughs> going backwards so I was like yeah. well, heck, what do I do and I had to come up with a project really really quickly and I ended up doing just a, f- um, a few units as you, as you know uh, on, on photography and just looking at photography had anyone thought around uh, how how is photography used are there, has anyone thought around a, a theology of photography yeah. amazingly a few people have it sounds like a very very niche um, area and it is and um, that was a, a, a fascinating couple of units to do um, and all sorts of questions arose in that not least of which was is photography even art at all and that's something that <laughs> photographers and artists will uh, and some some of them are, are, are both will, will argue um, yeah. but that was really interesting because I read a few books around just mm. um, the, the visual arts for that and, and how they are being incorporated more um, into church life including some of those deficits that you talk about um, particularly in the in, in, in Protestant churches um, and how people are redressing that so I think it was I heard him quoted from someone else it may not have been him but the, the argument I think is a, good, is a good one to actually yeah. do yeah. that do that more and um, support that more. So look, we'll come to some of the projects that you've been involved in recently in a moment but i do want to i do want to come to the b- building because building is again you're a you're a maker you're a problem solver you take the elements of the physical world um a good good friend of yours donald goodall has re- has described you as somebody who uh, takes the world as you find it and and makes something of it you actually you you're dealing with what is actually there but i think first and foremost you probably had a bit of a a prompt into building just because it was another way to augment the salary too yeah yeah it was a, it was a change um my wife had just taken a role in wellington um and we had moved down there in 2013 um and it was it was a shape i'd, I'd probably become a little bit not not disenfranchised that's the wrong word but um i've been in the art world for a few years and bitter these all sound too strong but they're <laughs> words um and yeah, just in terms of how much galleries would take of commission for the work you did, and then once right. you paid tax, and you had to sell a work for this much, and if you were if so, if you're doing one-off works, that was a lot of work. If you're doing a whole lot of limited limited edition runs, then that made it more viable. So I think I just had become a little bit like, ah, oh, I'm just over over the fight of it a little bit of um, yeah, and and I had missed I think team and collaboration a little bit. I'd, I'd come to that realization of sitting in, in a studio by myself creating right, probably yes. wasn't the best way for me to work. Okay. So I missed team, so I thought, um, got down there, I was thinking, what's, what's next? So I started a building apprenticeship and started training down there and was teamed up with um, a, a guy called Kyle, who we just worked pretty much together the whole time with various teams coming in and out. Um, it was just a, it was a great time of. Yeah, it was just yeah, it was income, which was a helpful thing. Yes, and it was um, team and collaboration, and yeah, that that creating something out of the physical world and being attentive to those things was like I found it. It was a high end architecture firm, so it was there was a craft to it. So yeah, yeah. we were we were still crafting something beautiful out of the materials that we were tasked to use well with, I guess. Yeah, we, we won't have time to do a double-length podcast here, Mark, but I almost wish we did or could do a separate one on on building and you're building apprenticeship and just that whole approach to the skilled manual trades. One of the books that I've really enjoyed over the last few years uh, was one called Shop Classes Soulcraft, written mm. by a guy called Matthew Crawford. And he's a philosopher, but also he's a motorcycle mechanic. And mm. he uh, does up really um, uh, kind of, traditional old bikes, old Indian motorcycles and Harley Davidsons and things. And he really says that we've, we've done people a huge disservice, uh, assuming uh, that the skilled manual trades are sort of a, a lower form of intellectual stimulation than doing work, what he calls ghostly work of the mind, working with ideas or working with, um, you know, policies or information. He says, actually, he's done both and he finds the work manually as intellectually stimulating as as other work and says we do a, a great disservice actually to a lot of 
young adult by suggesting that mm. <laughs> you know the 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 way forward, the best way forward for you is to go and do something at, at, at university. Now there are some manual things that come out of university. Um, you know, when I yep. went through medicine, people were going into the surgical disciplines where you actually do work with your hands. There's engineering disciplines, all, all of that. But he actually said, no, we we some people need to actually work with the with the physical world, mm. and it, it teaches us something about the world when we when we do that. Mm. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of um, resonance in that for for my my life journey. I guess I think in terms of um, the tangible or the things that are um, present in front of me, that those those are the things that are there and can be worked with, and I can see them, and they can be shaped and formed. And um, I remember printing, just just really enjoying having a job where in the morning I'd start with a blank sheet of paper, and by the end of the day there was this process unfolding and every day or every two days or three days or however long it took there was this um like oh i've created this yes like this is what has been made yes um rather than like i think a job where it was like what what have i done like that would just drive me crazy to sit there and be like i've been emailing and writing and talking and oh who knows if that made any difference um so i really enjoy those yeah, like, ah, oh, we just worked for six months and here's a house. Um, there's something, yeah, I think beautiful about just seeing the outcome of your work um, and seeing the, the the hours put in to create something of beauty and to see that um, happening time and time again yes. has always been a part of my um, appreciation of the work that I've done in those areas. Just a... There's a there's a freeness in seeing the work you've done and seeing it completed, yeah. and it's something that's tangible and able to be um, interacted with and and shared, I guess. Yeah, as somebody whose job probably sits more down the end of the the emails, the phone calls, the <laughs> nothing really sort of tangible to produce. But I can I can certainly resonate with it. And, and you know, those of us who have those sorts of jobs, we just need to to reconcile that that you know is something that we're we're called to do, but. You know, I've had to find other little ways to do that. Just go and mow a lawn, for example, just to do something physical like it. Mm. That's something that I now do for for for, for our place and, and other things where you're actually touching the world in certain ways. Another lament that he has in the in the book isn't just that we're depriving some people of a a, a career path that would be better suited to them, but actually that most of us are being removed from the physical world in in, in certain ways that um, little things that we would have done uh, sort of for ourselves are now being done for us. So he says if you lift the bonnet of a lot of cars these days, especially new cars, you'll find a second plastic bonnet. In other words, you know, you keep your hands off, you know, don't, can't even <laughs> trust you to check your own oil anymore. You know, he said all of these little physical things we would have done for ourselves, like like mm. fixing things, repairing things, uh, have now been largely taken out of our our hands, taken out of our control, and, and we're, the, we're the poorer for it. Mm. Uh, we're not interacting um, with the physical world in those ways. Mm. Yep. You're making a transition at the moment uh, out of the building, so you're doing less and less of the building, you're just yep. winding that down, starting to pick up uh, more of the artwork. And some of that has been a word you've used uh, a couple of times when we've caught up over the last few months has been collaborative. Mm. So tell me about about that, about how those pro- projects have unfolded, what they've looked like, where they took place. Yeah, so rec- more recently, um, a couple of events, which were kind of larger scale um, installations sort of art, we got asked kind of last minute, my wife and I, to do the reflective space at um, the Northern Easter Camp in Mystery Creek. Okay. Um, so we got called in, called into that, and it was kind of five weeks until it was um, time to to put this thing up. And we're going, like, okay, how big's the space? Like, oh, it's about sixty meters by fifty meters or something. So, ah, okay, quite big. <laughs> so we ended up creating um, a journey for the the youth of the camp to to go through and. Um, to try and give it a place of uh, what well, we were quite keen. Easter camp historically hasn't probably been our vibe. Like, it, And we're kind of, oh, where do we fit? If we were to engage in this camp, where do we fit? And so we kind of 
this reflective space just it was a place of formation it was a place of um reflection and a chance to kind of take a minute to stop and think about the story of easter um so we yeah i think gnomes and i would both just we just look back on that time and be like, oh, it was really cool working together mm-hmm. kind of i've often had that thought of as an artist i'd love to work alongside a theologian or a philosopher or a an academic of some sort right yeah and bring those two worlds together to create an artwork together because um, yeah naomi's done her masters through regent mm, college right yep. in in um in pastoral theology or something or, or yeah those, uh, um, it's things? a malts program yeah um, that's right, um, leadership theology and society yeah. okay yeah great yep. yep um so we can she'd come out of finishing there and we had some time so we we jumped into that full noise and yeah. um it was just a beautiful chance. I remember just sitting back and just watching a few thousand youth come through. And we, as part of the installation, we just had this wind blowing. Right, yeah. And you just see these young kids who have been, like, ready to go all weekend. Yeah, that's right. Good yeah, to yeah. go. And they just, like, sat down and just rested in this moment. And, um, yeah, and there's lots of people, like, for all the things that we built and did. And we had lots of help to do that as well. Um, there was some of that reflection was just like oh the wind the, sure. the, there's something about the wind that just like came through me and just kind of it just kind of settled my soul a little bit yeah i think that's a really good point and probably something that most of us should keep in mind anytime we've got an opportunity to be looking <laughs> at art to actually take our time in doing it i can remember a series that was on years ago uh tvnz6 there was a series done by the curator of he was then curator at the Christchurch Art Gallery, I think Justin Payton. He's since moved over to Australia. And he did a series, like six, eight-part series called How to Look at a Painting. And in one of them, he was just talking a bit about actually slowing down so that you can. Mm. And he made the observation that some of his best experiences at galleries are actually have happened when things like a, a train's been delayed by four hours and he's just got, got spare time to go and do it because he's... He doesn't rush through the way that he would because he's gone like, oh, this was extra time. It was bonus time. And he really, really just enjoys that process. Um, I like that thought. Yeah, it's awesome. So, look, Donald's name has cropped up uh, already a couple of times. um, And, you know, he he put together this remarkable project, really, Chapter Mm -hmm. 2, which was rebooting something that he and some friends had done years earlier. But just a collaborative space. You talk about collaborations was at a grand scale. Uh, pulling visual artists together, musicians, uh, poets, to put on a number of stations really for people to go and interact with. Mm. Some of them were quite interactive, others were uh, just um, to to be viewed, but on a, on a pretty big scale. So, what was what was that like to work on that together? Oh yeah, it was a it was a great experience. Um, yeah, the whole the whole picture of what chapter two was. Um, was pretty special and pretty key for the the world we we live in. Um, even just the fact that it's twenty four hours away, where there's no reception and a chance to um, to reconnect. Even if you just went and did it at the camping ground, that's good. But then to do it surrounded by music and a posture of our hearts and our faces towards God, and I think I think that's something that that our space like Chapter Two and maybe the Easter one as well kind of present to us, like a chance to even if we're just trying to survive in the world, there's this moment where that can fade mm. fade away and we can find ourselves a little bit of re-enchantment to, to dream and imagine of a new way of being or to rest in that, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. chapter two was definitely a place where that, um, that was visibly able to be seen. Yeah. And I just, I just had the honour of, yeah, being able to help um, kind of practically with Donald to... to put some of those pieces in place and, and create one of the artworks in collaboration with him as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, I think there's probably a, a whole podcast series mm. in having conversations about the, the, the role of the arts in, in, in sparking that, the, the prophetic role um, for mm. it as well. Yep. Um, so it was neat. I think I've got a recording here of uh, him describing a piece that, that you and him worked on. So here we go. I'll just uh, play this now. Towards the stage area between two large trees, an installation titled I Arrived Today floated above the grass. 
Created out of fabricated acrylic panels, resin pins and a vinyl cut print, this installation engaged in questions of location, presence, journey and destination. At the centre of this work sat the ancient prayer of St. Patrick. A play on words from I arise to I arrive served to bring people into reflection on Christ as our sojourner, our location and our destination, while exploring themes of movement, transience, temporality, presence, arrival and locatedness. People could actually view that, so it, it was lit at night, it, mm. it hung there during the day looking like a Google pin and people could go and actually just interact with it and read that prayer, take their time, it is a long prayer but actually mm. sit with it again, like yep. slow down, take your time, you know, you, you, you hear the Google pin marks the spot, yep. um, interact with it. To jump to another collaboration before asking you, I'm going to um, ask you about some, some artworks you really like just as, a, as an observer of art um, soon, but You've collaborated with a couple of friends to illustrate some kids' books, so that's jumping from something <laughs> quite from one one project to something quite different. Yeah, yeah. how yeah. did that come about? Um, oh, it started years ago with a friend Luke who had a book. He was on a OE and he was in between jobs, so he wrote a couple of books, and then we eventually got talking, and I thought I'd give it a nudge back then as a bit of fun. Um, he was actually talking to some publishers at the time, but then it was right when the recession hit. So quite a, quite a few years ago, was that okay. two thousand eight maybe? Yeah, it would have been. Yeah. Um, so that kind of just all went by the wayside, and we just left it. Um, and then it wasn't until recently when uh, my wife was doing her masters in in Vancouver, so we we, we were going to be travelling and moving around a lot. We we're quite transient. We kind of had two and a half to three years of liminal space where we. We didn't know where we were. <laughs> we did, but we um we were in transitions, and so we, I I grabbed the tablet, started drawing digitally, which was a different experience to a more analog sort of approach, and it took a long time to get used to, but it was it was easy to travel and draw. Yes. So I picked up the books again then, um, with Luke and Justin, and there's been a couple more that have come on the cards recently as well as maybe a contact or a publisher. We're hopeful with that, but we'll see. Um, and we just started drawing and making them, and then we kind of got to the end of the process and realised, ah, oh, we know nothing about the publishing world at all. And right. we'd probably set some things up or done a lot more work than we should have initially. So okay. we, we, learned, we learned some of that process, but that's an ongoing kind of um, ongoing projects. But Right. So you're saying that they like to be involved earlier on in the even the creative process. Yeah, I think they, so. Yeah, okay. I, th I think it depends on what, who you who you're talking to, I guess. But yeah, um, rightfully so. They're they're looking for products that they want to sell, so they want to make sure that they are products that they can work together. Yes. Um, yep. Which yeah, we'll we'll see how that lands. But we're it's pretty exciting to be able to. There's something about kids' books that are just fun because it's. There's a way in which you there's like a, a I guess a formational element that maybe that's the wrong word but there's a, a world that you're creating yes which can be just fun and silly and yes. like the rules are kind of off to some degree yeah um, yeah and then there's this ability to tell stories of depth or meaning but in a really fun and light way yes and just have some fun so if that could ever take off it'd be it'd be a pretty fun world to be a part of I think yeah and do, do you uh, road test stuff with Adley and Jack <laughs> yeah <laughs> totally yeah Adley oh, I've got a title cover of a book that Adley wants to write called The Sun The Moon and The Space Between which is Earth so she wants to do right. a story about Earth and so I've done the title cover and she bugs me every day to start writing it with her okay but, yeah yeah you so. might have created a rod for your own back there yeah I think so <laughs> <laughs> just next next uh, next page Dad next yeah, page come on hurry up yeah I imagine you delivering the illustration for the her ideas don't come as quick as the ideas <laughs> yeah I don't like, think so anything no. like my kids it's like 20 ideas before breakfast and yep. yeah come on Dad chop chop <laughs> get to work If we if we change gear again, Mark, and maybe go from from kids' book illustrations to just artworks that you've admired, uh, just that'll be a good question to ask you to reflect on some pieces that we'd all know, you know, sort of the the household names of of artists and, and artworks, but a couple that really that that stand out to you that you've enjoyed maybe for for years, and and why that is. What it what it does to you as you as you look at them? Yeah. What would a couple of examples be? 
Um, you might not need to leave children's box. Oh, okay, Do- yeah. Dr. Zeus. Come yeah, on. Oh, come yeah, on. good man. Awesome. <laughs> There's, there is something about that world that he creates, and we can get on to oh, what do you perceive as art? Is maybe yeah, yeah. But, um, the yeah, some of the some of the remakes. I think some of the compositions seem to change, but some of those compositions of Doctor Zeus books are pretty pretty spectacular. Oh yes, and I think I think their aesthetic as well. That kind of more um, pop, slightly limited color palettes, yeah. um, and the compositions and that kind of graphic style yes. is something that, um, yeah, as a as, as an aesthetic, is a style that just resonates with with yeah. with me. Um, yeah. So, if you're looking at artists, I guess um, Lichtenstein or um, even Shepard Fury, some of his stuff. Um, he did the Hope part posters for Obama. Okay, so he's more yep. recent. So, yep. some of those guys, um, Keith Hearing, if you remember him. Oh, the little so, black line drawings of the little men all piled up. Okay. Um, so Lichtenstein was the almost like the pop art who would do those yeah. comic book um, strips, yep. like the yep. shots from a comic book, like a, a single panel. Yes. Yeah. 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 And then um, Warhol as well. I think there's a few like similarities maybe with some of these guys where they were kind of, um, yeah, I guess challenging some of those things around uh, quality or mass production, like whereas art, like like Warhol got to the point where he was had a rubber stamp for his signature. Um, and right. There would have been, there's probably works that he didn't even touch. So he's kind of asking those questions of what is art. Right. Um, but equally, equally, there's like I wouldn't think that would be the one style. Then I would look at a classic or a um, someone who's painted like a. Um, yeah, like a scene, or maybe, yeah, more in the classics or an impressionist painting, where it's just like, ah, oh, you just you went out there and caught that light just perfect. Um, I feel like I'd be hard pressed, or Duchamp's the fountain with the urinal. Yes, like, yes. Like when I can see the cheek in something, or the fun in something, or the what they're trying to talk to. I think any art that makes you feel something or yes. or moves you, then it's got it's doing its job. Yeah, yeah. I really liked a definition uh, that a guy called um, Howard Gardner gave for for beauty and in, in mm. saying that actually art has to have uh, some sort of beauty to it. Now he's very quick to say um, beauty has really been challenged in terms of the the traditional understanding that it's got to have symmetry and all of these things. Where the the ancient world had a, a very kind of um, uh, narrow definition of, of beauty, and that's what's largely been really challenged yeah. uh, but he says it, it, it he had another definition and he actually drew on someone who had been a mentor of his to come up with uh, three things that should be there so I'll, I'll just read this quote out because I think it's it's really good mm. uh, let's submit that beauty once defined by idealization irregularity and harmony balance fidelity to the appearance of the world is no longer the exclusive or even the primary calling card of the arts uh, but how can we characterize the state of affairs that has replaced that singular virtue Uh, I nominate three features. The object is interesting, its form is memorable, and it invites further encounters. When as a result of these features, alone or jointly, the individual reports a pleasurable experience, it is appropriate, although obviously not obligatory, uh, for us to speak of beauty. So I really like that because obviously something doesn't have to be classically beautiful or pretty or anything like that to to fulfil those features. But I really like that interesting, memorable, and invites further encounters. Um, uh, I don't think Duchamp's urinal does that. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think, <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it might be interesting for a moment because of the point that he's making. Uh, it's not memorable, and I don't need to return to the art gallery to see it again. Mm. But something not necessarily beautiful, like Picasso's Guernica, which is actually quite confronting in many ways, mm. uh, it, it does fulfill that. It, 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 it is interesting. It impacts you. Uh, it's memorable. And you want to go back and have another look at it. Mm. Um, I, I really like that in yeah. terms of trying to capture something of what separates out an artwork from just a one-off statement that yes. once it's made mm. it ceases to be really any of those three things yeah does does the artwork endure from beauty or from just a little one-liner 
cheeky comment that it made sort of thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was it um, Orwell's comment that um, all art is propaganda, but not all propaganda is art? Some of your pieces, um, and again, people can 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 find these. I'm going to ask you a little bit about about the process you went through. We're going to draw things to a, a close soon, but um, there's a piece that you've done, and again, you find this uh, on 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 the Venn site. The links we've got to it there. Uh, you collaborated with Jack on a piece, so. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, maybe you're sort of speaking this over him prophetically, you know, <laughs> taking his finger painting and doing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah again, the the ultimate in taking something and working with what was there. Yeah, yeah. It's probably, uh, is it one of my favourites? I'm not sure. It's up there in one of the, in the last little bit of time, which I haven't created a lot in the last little season of life. But um, that piece was, was fun. So Jack's my four, four-year-old son. He'd done a painting, which kind of, was kind of like purples and blacks and then a little bit of like these kind of bright colors down the bottom and it was just squiggles and lines and he'd thrown some stuff together beautifully um and then yeah i think when i i was not stuck in a um a blockage or anything like that but i was just trying to start creating again and was finding it hard to find the dexterity and the the rhythm and the yeah just kind of like you you start doubting you oh what am i what am i making art again for and so this was just a process i was like ah oh, i'll i'll limit myself to black and white and i'll just paint or draw over the top of these lines and create something together and then um and yeah it was cool yeah i think it's on the venn page right yeah it, um, is, yeah. it was a fun exercise in terms of um it freed the mind or maybe it got me out of my head into my body more Mm. and it just um and i just created from that place yes i think i um i'm realizing more recently that, I, that that's a place where i can get stuck and i just remembered recently i told i was talking to an artist from wellington really talented drawer can draw far better than i and um he had been stuck in um not being able to create as easily as he had before and i don't actually know in hindsight if this helped him but I, I talked to him about just freeing his hand, and I remember in art school we used to just do number eights, like with the charcoal on a page for a few minutes, just to get the body moving, and to move yourself from your head to your body, right? And yeah. kind of to be able to come from that more natural sort of space. Yeah, yeah. The other piece I just want to pick up on from that series that you did, and they're quite varied. So the piece you did with that Jack's finger yeah. painting looks nothing like the next one. Looks nothing like the the, the next one. Yeah. Um, but You've done one of a mountain uh, mm, range yep. or a, a mountain scene. Mm. Uh, again, give us a bit of insight into the process you went through to create that. It's it's beautiful. Well, I think it's a stunning piece. Mm. Um, yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, I think it's similar in a way. And I look back, um, I think I'm in a process of, when I was doing this, I was in a process of trying to like I've been thinking, how do I want, if I'm to move forward in a, another period of creating, how do I want to create? And I want it to be more from a place of who I am rather than a place of my head dictating what I think people will want to buy or what people will want to see. or So what, what actually do, what comes through me, but what does the spirit want to speak through me rather than what is... <laughs> what is profitable yes um and this was a, a just a i had an old painting that i'd done that i really didn't like and so i put that up and i picked up a whole bunch of gesso which is like a primer sort of it's quite it was thick because i hadn't used it in ages and i was like i'm gonna um start and just paint and i'm going to use the spatula and then i had a few spray cans around as well and so i was like I, ha I had said I'll just use a spatula and then I was like I'll use spray cans as well but I didn't want to use pens or pencils or brushes or mm. a whole lot of different coloured paints so it was l just layering yeah. stuff on with a spatula and then just kind of creating the textures as it went and then I think it was a pretty quick painting as well, it was like wow. the first time, I, first time I kind of painted in that kind of style and first kind of landscape sort of thing that I'd done um, for a long time um, but the process was very 
I felt very natural. Mm. And um, is it of a specific mountain? <laughs> no, no, it's not. Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting thing. I, I, I think I was there the night you showed a few friends, at, and we we're all sitting around going, "Oh, it could, it could be this, could be that." Yeah. And I think that's one of the things I love. And this is what came out when I did a little bit of kind of an examination of people's attitudes towards, say, painting versus photography. For, right. For, photos are great, but they, they capture that particular mountain. You mm. take a photo of that mountain, and it can't be anything else. Yep. Whereas your painting can be a whole lot of mountains, and you're actually capturing mountainness. Mm. And so we look at it and go, oh, I'm pretty sure I've been that place down the South Island or whatever, and everyone's trying to work yep. out where it is. So, same goes, actually, I've seen I've seen wonderful photographs of waves, but I'd, I don't think I'd ever pay for a photograph of a wave to be on my wall, I'd, but I'd pay for a paint. I've seen some beautiful paintings of waves mm. in the ocean. And I love the ocean. That's pretty, something pretty close to me. Yep. Um, because it captures almost like any and every wave can be part of that painted wave, but it can't be when it's a photo. It was sure. off a specific place. It's at that beach, and you won't find yep. one that looks like that anywhere else sort of thing. Whereas, yeah, I think <clears throat> your painting does that. That's what yep. I feel when I look at your painting. Yeah, I think I I think I think titled it Certitude, I think. I think. I think it was more that kind of, that concept, I guess, that I was like trying to land in myself. Yes. Of trying to find that, that within myself so I was yep. more like, like I was just kind of painting and I was like oh this has become an, an, a mountain like a solid place like a uh, a landing place like something that's majestic and like trying to find that feeling of certitude within myself so it was mm-hmm. kind of it was almost like a diary thing yep. like I'm creating this to be able to try and land because I was feeling a bit out of sorts and having all the imposter syndrome and all the all the realities of having not created for a long time and I still feel a lot of that and then and like say oh I'm an art, and calling myself an artist and kind of just I was just in that place of like I feel like I just need something like I think I sensed then felt like I needed something solid mm. and so that kind of was what was created from from that I guess mm. I know that this has been a real spiritual journey for you as well. Mm. Like it's been something that I know you have and Naomi have, as well have, have soaked in prayer. What's it looked like for you over the last couple of years as you've been sitting there in this place, um, building but feeling a pullback towards the arts, building at a time, I've got to say, when COVID's made building particularly challenging too. <laughs> where, where were you finding the jib? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm leaving it. <laughs> no. has, that, has that been rugged, actually, doing that at a time yeah, where we, we, build, the building industry's really been hammered? Yeah, yeah, it's no been pun tough. Inti- No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. Um, uh, it, was, it was tricky. I kind of, uh, I just missed the jib. So I was doing a place for a, a friend, and I just missed the jib shortage. So well, we got right, awesome. on, right okay. on the cusp of it. So we, yeah, it's it makes it trickier. And my... My head and personality type is not one to um, be the one to organise, be organising a whole lot of stuff. Right, yeah. Very much in the moment. So it's kind of like, oh, yeah, we need that. <laughs> so yes. I think uh, it's not a smart move for when I was working on my own to be trying to organise and running and pre-plan a whole lot of stuff well ahead of time. So that was the reason we called that one quits. <laughs> Sorry, back to my original question, which yes. was just what's this looked like as a as a... A, a journey that you've gone on with the, with the Lord over this time. Yeah, well, the last yeah period of time, liminal space, we were kind of um, we'd left uh, Wellington and we were, had kind of gone on a journey to yeah, just to kind of asking a, a lot of questions around what's next for us, mm. what's next with the church, um, yeah, what is going to be, what is this next season of life going to look like, and. Um, that was kind of a long journey. We ended up living next door to you guys for a while. That's right, yeah. That's good times. Um, and I think there's through that time, there's been a, a focus on, on the in and around the arts and what they bring to the table to bring um, re-enchantment and reimagining and um, beauty and hope and things that um, I think it's easy for the arts to speak to from their... Um, place in society yeah they yeah. um they have an ability that can cut through some of the stuff a bit quicker than other conversations or um what you can say through the arts that you can't say from a pulpit or 
um, there's just a place that they hold that can capture people's imagination. And I think we kind of sense that there is a, um, yeah, a need to reimagine and to, to dream of what could be um, in the next next season of life and church. And um, so it was a, a long process. And um, one that I thought my personality was good with, living in liminal space and being a bit free and easy. And then found out as we went on it's like oh I'm not I'm not so much wired this <laughs> yeah. way as I thought I yeah, was good, but good for good for the first couple of months eh? but when it turns into a couple of years <laughs> yeah 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 it, it comes with its um it came with its trials that's for sure um and but the I think the things that it for, has formed and shaped have been um yeah I can see the I can see the benefits of them old hindsight eh yeah yeah it's yeah. great what have some of those benefits been I think we we lived in a way where some of the things we did or some of the ways we were living were counter to a, a standard sort of cultural narrative. Yeah. Um, whether that was being without income by choice for a while or, um, yeah, selling our house and not buying in the same market. Sure, <laughs> Although yeah. I just lost the respect of all these smart people. Um, yeah, we, did, we just did a few things, but we, we, we felt like we wanted to be we felt like we were being faithful to what God was asking of, asking of us as we stepped. Um, and I think, look, like we could see that happening where we might not have had somewhere to move into until two weeks before um, we're going to move, and then yes. oh, okay, we're going to go here. And that for a good couple of years, that was the case. We would would be moving and staying with uh, friends or in different places. And um, there's a couple of times when it. That didn't happen as well, and it was yes. harder. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice when it goes to plan, but there's plenty of times when it doesn't. Um, but I think we saw provision through that time, and mm. we saw connections with people who were walking a, a similar journey um, and asking similar questions, and finding those um, finding those people with shared values and dreams, and um, just making good friends along the way. I think. Yeah, good friends, God's provision, um, and the ability that we can have faith in that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I never forget that going forward. Like, yes. I'm, I'm always thinking that way now. It's just like, it's perfect every time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. I forget yeah. all the time. That's right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Two yeah, minutes yeah. later, it's like, oh, that's right. So good there's on. a constant so sort of reminder to Be re- to live back into that again. Yeah, re-reminded re- of that. Yeah. One of the ways that provision's come is, I know that in the last, was it about a year ago, you bought, bought a house actually mm. with the with the in-laws which yes. is uh, not yep. for the faint of heart <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no, no good, no, good. yeah how did that happen yeah so we were um yeah so i was talking about how we'd, we'd land in the place two weeks um two weeks out we'll be into a new place there's one place when t- one time when that uh just stopped right and we we didn't have anywhere to go and so our in-laws um, very graciously took us back in with them for a little while. Oh, great. Um, and we, so we moved back into there. And that was the first time it felt like a, every other step had felt like a step forward. Like we were moving into something and we were forming and shaping. And then we, this felt like a, like a, a stoppage, a block and a, what, what are we doing? We're stepping backwards here. It, it just, it felt um, a little bit deflating in terms of like, we thought we were being faithful. Yes. But this is, like it's just stopped um and then uh in our time so near there was a discussion around a house that had come up for sale behind um my wife's brother and his wife and um the gnomes parents were thinking about potentially um um buying that and um we we're like ah oh, well we could we could probably go on on that with you like do you guys want to would you want to do something together or no and um, that was a week out from the auction date, and then everything kind of came together in a, within a week, and we kind of worked stuff out, and and then ended up moving in there. Awesome. So, yeah. and then living yeah. living babysitters, like yeah, what totally. you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're pregnant at the moment, so it'll pay us. Oh, that'll yeah yeah, yeah, yeah it'll kick back on us. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it was yeah it was the hindsight that shows God's provision as well, and then now with nuns coming on staff at Northgate and. Um, the other things and conversations that have flown from us actually it's like ah there is provision here we just didn't see it at the time awesome um, we didn't have the eyes to see and it's only looking back now so oh yeah there was a 
there's a forming and uh, and some of those hard times are the the best forming i guess mike it's been just so good having you come on man i really appreciate it and um as you continue this journey with naomi i just yeah um pray god's blessing over you guys as you as you do that and particularly man as you step out into this creative space really looking forward to it kids kids books and all yeah we'll see. <laughs> <Here's hoping. laughs> yeah thanks man catch cool. you soon thank you